the outside, always looking in. Will I ever be more than I've always been? Cause I'm tap, tap, tapping on the glass. Waving through a window. I try to speak, but nobody can hear. So I wait around for an answer to appear. While I'm watch, watch, watching people pass. Waving through a window. This is the Singer's Tension Podcast, the podcast by singers for singers. Welcome to the Singer's Tension Podcast. I'm Jordan Erickson, and tonight we're going to talk about how to stop waiting for your career to happen and build your own platform. So my guests tonight are Caden, Taylor, and Laren, who make up the Valari Tenors, a Canadian vocal band of three classically trained tenors making music we actually want to hear. I love that we're having this discussion on the heels of my conversation with Lindsay Promaine, where we talked about expectations when you are a student of how your career will unfold, because now we move to the other side of that timeline and can dig into, okay, how do I do this thing? How do I find my niche, create a, a brand? build a social media presence and put myself out there as a professional. So welcome, Caden, Taylor, and Laren. I'm pumped to talk to you about this. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we are excited. We go way back, Jordan and Valari Tenors, in a way. <laughs> yes, we do. Back to the, how long ago was that now? Like uh, seven, eight years at Opera Noir? 2013. 2013? Yeah. Yeah, seven years. Oh my gosh, that makes me feel so old. <laughs> so for anyone that's just being introduced to you guys as a group, can you put in your own words, like, who are you? What are you putting out there? What do you give our ears as a group? Well, all of us are, uh, like, all of us went to opera school, essentially. So, like, all of us are, like, classically trained tenors, three tenors. Uh, but we also all have a lot of musical experience that's sort of outside what you do in, in opera school, whether that's like music theater or playing in like a rock band or a whole bunch of jazz. Um, and so kind of all those influences and the a whole bunch of classical training uh, kind of go into to what we're creating as a group. Yeah, um, there's, there's a term that your viewers may have heard that can describe what we do as a genre. <laughs> that uh, would be popra. Um, which <laughs> it's, it always, it's fun to say out loud because it, it, you know, sounds so crass and, uh, but it is actually a genre that we all came to appreciate on our own. Some like artists that fall under this would be like Il Devo, Josh Groban, Andrea Bocelli. Um, you know, those kind of classically adjacent artists, um, that, provide you know classical sounds in a more accessible setting and like yeah fun pop music i don't really like to use the word popper all the time whoops <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, it's a weird term because it's um yeah but it's like a lot of attribution with it yeah right? but, but yeah. you know at it i think i got it i think i got it okay i'm gonna try it send, it send it um i try to be careful in using the term popper uh, i feel that doesn't really uh fully encompass the music that we do uh, it can give people the kind of the wrong impression of all the music that we're capable of doing. We've covered stuff from Joni Mitchell to Dear Evan Hansen, some stuff that's a little bit more opera and stuff that's a lot, a lot more pop. Um, we do a lot of Christmas music and we kind of want to transcend genre and we kind mm -hmm. of live 
between the popper world, but also we want to encompass as much as we can so that when an audience hears our music, there's always something to connect with, something to grasp. Totally. I, th I think we push popper both ways. We like, we actually end up on more extremes of pop and of classical in like what we do. And like, we definitely come from that like tradition that's like, I don't know, what are you like 15, 20 years old, maybe yeah. like that kind of Josh Grove, like Charlotte Church, if we go like way back, right? Like that kind of stuff of this. Um, but like, I, I feel like we're like looking forward though, you know, not covering the exact same repertoire and doing the exact same songs in the same style, but really looking to do, yeah, like, like Laren was saying, um, stuff that's like contemporary and relevant, right? Like, like, yeah, Dear Evan Hansen, or, or we always try to include a lot of Canadian content, right? So like Joni Mitchell and stuff too. Celine Dion. Celine Dion! Dion. Oh. Stan yeah. Rogers. There's some other Canadian stuff that yeah. might be coming to you soon. We, uh, <laughs> we love to represent and absolutely take risks and push it forward. Yeah. And also just really cool new music. We've been looking at covering Billie Eilish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shout out to our Gen Z's of the world. And <laughs> we want to be pushing boundaries with what we're doing. Yeah, that's true. So I have so many questions about exactly what you are choosing and what you're putting out there as a brand, as an ensemble. But before I get into those juicy ones, I need to know who's singing which voice parts? Who are we hearing? How do you decide that? Is it like a battle of who sings the high notes? Not always, <laughs> but that's the like, that's like the Valari brand. Like part of like the brand is that um, most popper groups essentially usually have like a high baritone, a like pretty big tenor and like a light tenor, but we're like, we're essentially three light tenors. So like all of us have almost identical ranges. Um, so it's honestly, it's, you kind of have to figure it out like who's singing the high C at any given time because it could honestly be any of us the the lines we write often cross and you're not yeah we, we everybody takes turns singing singing lead supporting and singing like crazy high tenor lines mm -hmm. i think if you're going to do a tally at one of our live shows laren would have the most high c's <laughs> laren would have the most high c's that's, laren takes the yeah. takes that one like it's yeah. the most it's that's i would say okay we have the same ranges but the number of quality high C's we have per hour diminishes. Hey, yeah, like starting right. highest with Laren and probably me in the middle. Essentially and then... by height. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was something that was very intentional about this group. When we listened to the artists that were in the opera, the, the popper space and, you know, vocal groups uh, primarily, they often have really static voicings. There's at any given moment when there's harmony, you can, there's always one person is going to be singing the top line. One's going to be singing the middle. One's going to be singing the bottom. And that is cool. That can be cool. That's been done very well, but we wanted to push that further. We wanted, mm -hmm. we all sing really well. We want to have equal chance singing lead, equal chance singing harmony, equal chance doing, and it offers so much uh, to the listener in terms of different textures and keeps it exciting. You never know who you're going to hear next, who's singing the high note next, who's singing the high note at any given time necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's just like another way that we're trying to kind of innovate within uh, within the within the genre. Yeah, we don't like love the genre term uh, label, but um, yeah, that's that's totally a very intentional thing. We like to keep it fresh all the time because it's also different colors, right? Like if you have depending on who's singing lead and then who's above and below like it's really different right uh which one of us is singing the top in what our our favorite chord is a fac f-a-c that's the like ultimate chord three tenors someone's on an f someone's on an a someone's on a c and however you change that with us that that 
provides a really different color and a really different tone. And I would say that there's certain grooves we fall into sometimes, but we try to keep it fresh and keep changing it up depending on the song. It's true. That's our favorite Fakken chord. <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, beautiful intermingling of words there. No, and it's so true. And from a, a, a voice perspective, not only does it give the listener's ear a treat of what they're hearing, but it's nice if you are a singer to hear how different three different voices of the same fach can sound on the same note. Because you say, oh, we all sing that we would sing the same repertoire if this was a, a competition and we were all competing for a role or something. But each of you sounds so completely different. And then as a singer listening, you're like, oh, okay, so I don't have to sound like this kind of voice when I sing that note. And it just subconsciously frees you to own whatever your sound is coming from a healthy place. Yeah, I feel that we have, um, we wear different hats depending on what audience, what our audience is like for a particular event. Um, for example, Caden sung a lot of musical theater, Taylor sung a lot of rock, I've sung a lot of jazz and R&B, and we've all sung all of those genres at particular points. We've all sung Echo Redente and De Spiltness, right? <laughs> <laughs> we've, all sung, we've all sung opera. So yeah. I think uh, diversity gives us the kind of flexibility and freedom to figure out, one, what are we singing with each other? But two, what are we communicating to the audience depending mm -hmm. where we are? No, I like, I like that. Divert, like, you know, not all like light lyric tenors sound the same. We're all different. That's right. <laughs> light lyric tenors are individuals too. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of moving into a bit of branding and what you put out, how do you choose the songs that you're going to cover or you're going to take and make your own, not just from we like these songs, but fitting in with your brand and what you want people to know you for? How do you decide on that repertoire? The what, what Volare Tenors is as like a brand, especially in terms of repertoire, is like still very much in motion. I think something we're discovering as we go and kind of the rule is like go for quantity and we find quality within that and uh so we we kind of just anything that's really speaking to us or that we think is cool or that's a really wonderful opportunity to collaborate with someone right we always pursue things like that um and we just see once it's out there how do we how do we feel about singing it how do we feel about performing it and then how do people respond are they do do people get from it what we're hoping they do uh and, and we kind of let that in, inform us um it's similar to the, like the, the, the rapid prototyping model in like Silicon Valley, where it's like, you have an idea, make a prototype, get it out there, get a response. Like don't forecast and imagine what people will think. Just make a some, something and see how people react and then go based off that. So I feel like we're very like data-driven and uh, uh, yeah, we take risks. I think we found that we are capable of wearing different hats and we look at a production or a company that we want to collaborate, collaborate with or work together with or, or apply for a job or performance. And we can brand ourselves and kind of mold the, bland, mold the brand with uh, whoever it is we might be speaking mm -hmm. to, the kind of audience that we might be performing for. Uh, so we try to take in consideration uh, what, is, um, what is the, uh, what, what would a host want to hear from us? And I, I think that we we have done our best to kind of hold to this artistic ideal of not worrying too much about meeting the expectations of what people may have um, from a, a group of three classically trained tenors. Mm -hmm. And we really, I think, at the very beginning of every idea of something that we want to 
see through is is honest art artistic inspiration you yeah. know it's um it really begins there and that's where we bring quantity and then we have a catalog which we can kind of curate um to try and secure opportunities if we feel that's necessary but yeah absolutely we try to follow inspiration and kind of like forge our own path in the in the scene as it were dude and just like kind of building on that too like i feel like coming from uh, uh, all of us coming from sort of this this world of, of classical music and of, of opera auditions and, you know, your aria package and stuff. I, I imagine this is something we may get into slightly later, but like, uh, I feel like part of this project and this band and this brand is that it is really self-driven and that we don't, we don't have to meet expectations, right? There's so much, so for so much of our lives and our training and especially going to opera school and stuff, you're, we, we were trying to get really good at meeting expectations. And that's actually something we're really free of in, in Valare Tenors is we can kind of go, we can make any song work for us, right? I think we, we keep the vocal quality super high, the musicianship super high, like there's certain staples that, that we bring, uh, but like what exactly we're singing, there's a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, it, it's really interesting because I remember listening to, it was a, a podcast or audiobook or something about branding and it wasn't related to artists, but the big message this guy was feeding was if you look at your business card, it shouldn't say that you're a life coach and an IT person and also a yoga practitioner, you know, like don't dilute what you are. Think of the one thing that you are really strongly and just focus on that. But then I think singers take that as, okay, that can only be one kind of singer because I don't want to confuse people that I do everything which is so absurd because if you do everything well as an artist, it, it's like a painter saying, I'm only going to paint like Picasso because I want to be known for that. Well, you have all these other opportunities that you could be known for as being equally as good. And to hear you guys say, okay, we're just putting stuff out there and don't mistake that it's poor quality because it's very high quality things you're putting out, but it is a massive variety and you're saying we don't need to be defined exactly what we are or what our niche is, but we'll put out high quality things. We'll be open to whatever people are receptive to and then see what comes from those opportunities. No, exactly. That's right. That's yeah. exactly it. I think it's like a sort of a message taken from like, let's say like the theater experience we have of just like stay in the process, stay in the play. Don't be worried about what the end result is. The end result takes care of it itself. And we just, we like to stay in that. Yeah, I don't know, very process oriented, I feel like. Mm -hmm. And when you guys were putting together the group and establishing like where in that world of music that you did want to fit into, did you know, okay, we want to fit into the popera niche or what was the conception at the moment of birth of Valar Tenors? So I would say like, there's like, uh, there's like some stages. So like one thing is like, uh, Tay and I go a little further back than we do with Laren, like Laren, we've, we've uh, in, become bandmates and best friends with Laren more recently, but like Tay and I back as early as like, I don't know, grade eight, maybe grade nine had like arranged some music, like sung some stuff, like whatever, just in like school and in high school and stuff. And it was in quotations, barbershop. Yeah. Harmony, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we thought barbershop was sweet and like, but we were, it was really hard to write more than two lines because we didn't really know anything. <laughs> um, but we also like loved Il Devo and uh, Josh Groban and stuff like that. That was definitely an influence in, in uh, our 
I don't know, musical development or whatever. And so I think like popera as like a genre, as, as like a potential market and as like a type of art and communication has been on our radars for like actually a very, very long time. Um, and so this iteration sort of happened because partially because of like COVID realistically, right? Like mm -hmm. all three of our lives as like solo opera singers having careers doing that came to an abrupt halt. Um, but then we were like, well, all of a sudden, like we've sort of talked about like, hey, what if we what if we did this? Like we'd done some popper tours with other groups and stuff. Like what if we just had our own group so we could do the music we want to do and there's not like a whole bunch of like managers and producers taking all our money. <laughs> like what if we just did it ourselves? And uh, <laughs> so that's kind of what birthed this. And so we started working on music and um, part of what Tay and I knew at the very beginning was like, we need someone who has a similar mind is classically trained, but also has that like flexibility to not do classical music. And ideally has a voice even higher than ours. And there's literally like one guy in all of Canada. We, we <laughs> racked <laughs> our brains. Who do we know? And it was this guy, it's only this guy. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. I met you, we met in Montreal. And funny enough, yeah. yeah. Um, I was in Montreal uh, at McGill University uh, meeting some professors there. And I just happened to meet Caden, and um, I think we connected over being yeah. both from Alberta, and we added each other on social media. And um, I guess it, it was what about a year later, uh, I yeah. got a message from Taylor, um, kind of describing Valari tenors and what they were all about. And I'm not a very personally, I'm not a very business savvy person, and I'm still in my undergrad, just kind of trying to figure out what's the next step for me professionally with my career, and I, I just. I love music and I've always really enjoyed playing instruments and trying other styles of music while trying to keep my opera training moving forward. So what the description of Valari Tenor is what, what Taylor said the band was like or what the band was going to look like. It just seems like, well, this is kind of perfect for all the stuff that I've just loved throughout my life and all the kind of music that I've been interested in. Um, so I, I just feel very, very blessed that these guys <laughs> liked the way I sounded and wanted me on board. And I, I remember Tay, um, we were on a phone call and we we're like, well, who, we got to, let's call someone. Let's like, let's make a call. And Tay was like, do you know Laren? And I was like, I think I do. I'm pretty sure I do. <laughs> and we we're like, let's go. Let's like, and so you asked how stalker were we? Actually pretty, <laughs> actually pretty stalker. So we like found, what was it? A recital you did. And listen, yeah. Dalla Suapache was in there. And I was like, man, honestly, if anybody can sing Dalla Suapache, then they're already pretty good in my books. <laughs> and, then, and then we found on your Instagram, like you were playing bass and singing, was it Stevie Wonder? What was I, the, I'm not sure. Do you remember, Tay? What was the... I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but... It sounded amazing. I had seen <laughs> clips of him playing bass and singing in like yeah. uh, cover bands and stuff before. And I was like, all right, vocals are there. Yeah. This is sick. I want to really highlight kind of what, what you're saying without saying, and that's even though it sounds like this seamless transition, like now nah, look, we've created, we decided to create this beautiful thing. There is an undertone of supreme bravery and choosing to create something from scratch at which some point in the birth of the group that you are now, you all made the choice to take all of your effort and focus it on this thing. 
And that could be terrifying if you think about it, because each of you in your own right is an individual artist that maybe had aspirations to sing an opera, musical theater, whatever. And the process of auditioning for those things is your entire world. So you really did turn your full focus to something new. Was that terrifying? Did you even think of it that way? Am I just making you think of it that way now? (laughs) (laughs) Just like gave us all low-key anxiety. (laughs) I, I think it was really hard to get off the ground. Um, all the groups that I've been in in the past, any bands or projects, it's rare to find a group where everybody is very, very driven and committed to this and making that a full, full-time full job almost, a full commitment. And We always have to be thinking of what's the next thing. We always have a project on the go. And it really is a hustle, especially when you're just starting out because you have to really build your brand from the bottom. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that, I mean, singing is just probably the, we don't do a lot of singing together. A lot of it is just <laughs> yeah, video it's so building. Uh, I mean, there's so much outside of music that we have to consider. Yeah, like for that. every minute of singing, either live or in the like recording studio, like how, how many more <laughs> hours, right, yeah. are spent on everything else. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think for me, the transition actually to doing something like this, something like this wasn't actually particularly like traumatic I would say like um I was I just got fed up with like waiting for things you know like I like I like I like the audition life I'm living in Montreal like it's easy to get to New York so I'm like going a couple times a year and I'm going to Toronto and like auditioning and getting kind of enough return on investment that I like have been literally lucky enough to not have to have another job for a very very long time but there's just like a lot of anxiety in that of all of your work depends on someone else choosing you from a huge group of extremely qualified people and it it comes down to like not just how you sang but so many like so many like worlds have to align for someone to be like yeah you're the guy let's have you come and do whatever it is and when and when that happens it's awesome but I, I got sick of just always waiting for that and being dependent on other people and so this is something I, I was like I was feeling like the impulse towards doing something like this like we I've done some tours with like different popper groups, right? That are that are managed by this person or that person or whatever. And I always felt like the market's there, the music's good, I enjoy it. Like, let's just like, what if I what if we just make it? You know, what if we just go do it and like self-produce and mm-hmm. like fill in all those gaps, right? Still take still have solo careers. All of us, I hope we still all get to continue our our solo careers that we've been lucky enough to have so far. But it would be nice if then instead of worrying about those months in between when you're working um we have stuff to do you know yeah and I, for me personally i kind of felt like it always felt that it was only a matter of time before this group happened um honestly Destiny. like <laughs> i mean there's like we you know kate and i love this music for a long time we every chance we get we would just get into a practice room and wail high harmonies and be like this is cool <laughs> yeah undergrad uh, just being like what if i sang an a and you sang a c and and it's right we once we had a bit of experience in the in the scene it was clear the market's there yeah. what are we waiting for great segue collaborations <laughs> uh, not just 
amongst the three of you, but obviously there's a lot of collaboration. Anytime you do a cover, like maybe you bring in an instrumentalist, maybe you have someone filming for you. Talk to me about the full comprehensive picture of who are you collaborating with? How did you meet them? How do you network, find these people? Give it to me. Wow. Who? I'll start with uh, what I think is a a great networking opportunity for anybody who is a musician of any sorts. Um, I'm uh, from central Alberta. I lived in Red Deer for a long time and I used to go to open mics many times a week (laughs) and I met so many amazing talented musicians. I think Red Deer just had a really good music scene when I I happened to be part of it. Um, And I met a lot of people that we actually have collaborated with. We had a guitar player play a a track for um, one of our uh, one of our Christmas songs, the Christmas chestnuts, right? Chestnuts, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. My friend Jeremy um, played that on guitar. He's an incredible jazz guitarist. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, yeah, you've got to come to our tour, twenty twenty one Christmas, <laughs> so they can hear this arrangement. You can hear a the Jeremy guitar Jeremy, is Jeremy, insane. What's his last name? Jeremy Duty. Um, I found when I was going to a lot of open mics, I had so many networking opportunities that I actually ended up getting a lot of gigs from just doing that. People get your name out. You exchange social medias or phone numbers and then people just you just meet people that way yeah i like i think a lot of the yeah a lot of the people that we've collaborated with are are artists that we've all met in solo careers like when our first kind of big collaboration was with uh nayeli uh she's like an incredible incredible singer kind of does like classical crossover and music theater and pop and just she's amazing she's amazing but like way back in the day I did a competition in Halifax with her and she kicked my butt. I don't even think, I don't think I actually got to the finals, uh, but she did, she did amazing. Um, but we had like connected with friends on Facebook from then. And then we knew Tana Chu from, uh, uh, from Nuova and their siblings. And so it was just kind of like, that was actually an example. Nile Nile reached out to us. She's like, Hey, I've seen one of your videos. Like, want to talk about a collaboration we're like yep what are you doing tomorrow like we move fast let's talk like let's make something happen um but i uh i think the collaborations have been like a mix of of some people have contacted us and then there's people we've reached out to like it's a nice balance of Mm -hmm. people see what we're doing and are like hey that's cool like i would I, i do music like that like let's do something and other people were like hey we know we need like or you should say like the guitar on river yeah um just musicians that we've worked with before it's you know when we have a good clear idea of what we want uh oftentimes somebody just comes to mind uh right so we've we've collaborated with a couple of people like that um kevin castro who's a really excellent pianist is actually my brother-in-law and i actually play in another band with him we brought him on board um another a guitarist named Caleb Steinwand was a guy that I actually went to school with yeah, yeah, way like back when high school, high right? school. Like, yeah. um and great guitar yeah, player. it's yeah. um yeah I mean that's part of the great thing about the musical business is that you just you get to meet so many awesome people and take it away and I was just it. saying and speaking of rampant nepotism uh <laughs> taylor happens to be married to an incredibly talented videographer and video editor yeah so a lot of our video content like when we were starting out we're like okay we're gonna film it and it's like how do we edit this and like uh, tan and i like we're not great at technology and <laughs> you know we laren great voice great singer but like 
he was he wasn't here because he was a computer whiz or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like uh, so, but whatever, whatever. So Becca, uh, super super talented, and so yeah, I mean, it's obviously nepotistic, but it works. So whatever, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so she's made like yeah, she's uh, filmed most of our videos, edited most of our videos, and um, I think yeah, we've learned a lot from from working with her uh, about what looks good and how to make sure we look good. Yeah, that's a massive time commitment, as you said, like five minutes of singing, five hours of post-production sometimes. So for your wife that's been helping you with it, is this just generosity of her heart? Like, yeah, my free time, I want to film you guys. Or were you compensating her some way? Because not everyone is married to someone who can give them these skills, right? So how do they go about compensating if they're on a budget and trying to build something? So there is definitely a very generous helping of volunteer work yeah. from Beckham, for which we are so, so grateful. And a very meager compensation. <laughs> there <laughs> has been. That is. But that, like a little bit. As much. Like that's something that we, yeah. we tr that's something that we try and, I mean, we're all in this, man. And even if it's, you know, one musician handing 10 bucks to another musician, right? Like, I think that it's important that we try and take care of each other. Yeah. Um, so we we do cool. our very, very best. Yeah, I think we pretty much pay everybody we've collaborated to, with. Yeah, yeah, work entirely professionally, yeah. When, if someone's not getting paid, it's usually us, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And are any of you handling the creation of the social media graphics, or is this all Becca? <laughs> That's a, it's pretty collaborative. We've also definitely uh, relied on Becca for like sort of teaching. Oh, it's kind of embarrassing. Like Laren's a little younger than us, so he should know, but like Tay and I should still probably know how like Instagram works and stuff. But this has really <laughs> been kind of like a learning curve as we've just sort of caught up on, on uh, I don't know. We had somebody at one of our gigs reach out and really want to do our, our website. It was somebody that we know. We yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You should yeah, visit valaritanners.com. It's like brand new today. It's just a landing page. It's like a preview. The social media stuff is like, um, we like we all take turns. We actually just have like a social media schedule because it's really hard. Like social media, when you start to learn a bit about the, the algorithm. Okay, we'll rewind for a second, but uh, I was really lucky to take part of the uh, Digital Emerging Artist Program at Manitoba Opera this summer. It was amazing. It couldn't have come at a better time because it was all about like hiring young artists. So they hired a quartet. We, we created some stuff, but really they were, they were bringing in these like social media professionals and stuff and like, and videographers and directors who direct for film to be like, we're in COVID, it's not going anywhere. Like, let's talk about singing, acting for camera and how do you operate online? And we've spent a ton of time, which then and I was able to somewhat communicate back to, to us. And we, so we have these pictures of sort of what do these algorithms on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram do? And, and the truth is they really favor quantity. Like they want constant engagement, constant production. And that's actually really exhausting. So we have three of us, there's one day off a week essentially, but we take like two days each um, so that we can, try to do our best to like always have a story, like be, be creating content, commenting on things, liking things, like engaging with, we're, we're also lucky that we actually have some like really wicked fans, uh, especially on like mm. Instagram, like people from all over the place. We've got a bunch of people from like the UK and like Central and South America who like are into our stuff and like talking to us and like, it's awesome. So we, it's, it's really fun to engage, but it's also a lot. So we try to divide that up to all be really active. It's a, it's a group effort. Mm -hmm. I think the most helpful thing that helps our social media presence is when 
one of our fans or somebody that we know tells their friends or tells their family about Valari Tenors. Mm-hmm. I think word of mouth is the best, yeah, uh, yeah, the best vehicle to drive uh, just exposure out there. Yeah, no, it's so true. And like the, I mean, on, in like Instagram world and stuff, right? They'll talk about like quality of followers, right? Like what quality do you have? Like what kind of percentage of engagement do you have? And I, I think so far we're lucky to have like honestly, I think really high quality. Um, I mean, we went from zero followers to whatever we're at now. We're like just short of, we're just sort of, sort of 3K. So if you're listening to this, come follow <laughs> us so we can be at 3,000. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, but like lots and lots of engagement from, from people, which has been cool. And I, I think that's part of, I mean, another big staple, like I learned when I was working with Manitoba then was that you got to keep your, even though it's quantity, 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 you've got to keep your quality high. Cause at the end of the day, having great content is still the most important thing. So we, we definitely are, we can be perfectionists. We'll, we'll push back a, a deadline to make sure something's perfect before we, we put it up. Yeah, I think the quality, the consistency and the quantity are all so important. And you guys are a group, so that's awesome that you can divide it up, the three of you. And what does that mean for just someone who's a, a solo person, a solo singer? Well, we'll get more into this, but what is, who are you? What's your brand? What do you want to put out there? And now you get to be a bit artistic and think, how do I want to do that? Do I want to do that with cool photo shoots? Do I want to do it with like more personal talking about my journey, whatever, but decide what you want your, your image online to be, and then stick with that. And don't just be like, oh yeah, I thought about it in bed last night and this is what it's going to be, but have a schedule of when you want to make these posts and make it realistic. Like when I started the podcast there, was a really good article that said don't put so much on you that you can't keep up with the consistency and the quality so if that means every week you have one post but it's every single week then that's what you do if it's five times a week and you can do that then that's what you do but you have to spend time thinking about these things you can't just be like oh now i have an instagram <laughs> you know? yeah oh my god mm. yeah no it's, oh yeah it's bizarre how like deliberate you have to be like I, I feel like before we did this i thought of like instagram and facebook and stuff as it's just like a fun whatever but if you're really trying to create something using those platforms yeah it, yeah <laughs> you need to be deliberate and planned. And so we, we do, we have meetings about it, about, and I think we kind of have a clear picture of like, it's nice to have stories, but also posts and have those be different. So each one is like a vehicle for different like elements of, of Valare. And yeah, I think uh, thinking outside the box with what you want to post, I think Caden was telling me that he posted something. uh, He made dinner. He made a lot of No, no, no. I was, we were biking the Laurentian trail and we went to a, very shitty diner and i was like i'm getting spaghetti because they have seven thousand things on their menu and only, and they, there's no way they can mess up spaghetti <laughs> it was huge so he ended up posting a story of this big plate of spaghetti and said who the hell needs this much spaghetti and i think that was our most like, it was so probably the most, most engaged yeah. engagement was ridiculous people were just like i could eat that <laughs> i was like i was shocked by the amount of people who were like i eat that every day i was like wow but you never know. You man. just never know. You just have to throw it out there. And yeah. kind of random things that get really popular. We posted a a, a TikTok of mm. uh, a cover of the Ratatouille musical, a little compilation. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. it was, it was just Fifty-five seconds of us singing Ratatouille, and you know, an ode we, to we, Remy. We did take an ode yeah. to Remy. Road to Remy. We did take it seriously, but it wasn't yeah. like one of these massive orchestral projects that. Yeah. You know, 
took up a, a month of work. It was just something yeah. that we threw together a day. We worked really hard that day to get a nice video. And I think that's our most- Our uh, most viewed TikTok, most easily. Viewed no, TikTok yeah. that we have. The creators of the musical and stuff like commented and like followed us. I was like freaking out a little bit. Was like, Kevin yeah, Chamberlain? Kevin like, Chamberlain. And he said we're all followed. I know, man. <laughs> That's a, it's cool. Like you can actually, you have a chance to interact with these people, with everybody in yeah. the industry. Um, so yeah, I think that that's something that we're, we're learning as well is that there's, there's a time and a place for kind of like every level of effort, as long mm. as the quality is high in that given thing. If it's a, a picture of spaghetti, <laughs> make it a decent picture of spaghetti and yeah. chuck it out there. If it's a TikTok that you want to do in a day, Bust, bust your ass, make yeah. it the best thing in a day, get it out. And yeah. if it's a, a full music video, we work we work it until it's yeah, done. That's, because that's, that's expensive uh, and time consuming. And <laughs> but yeah, but worth it. And yeah. all stages have incredible value. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. That's like sort of stratification of it to like, I think when we started, we were like, we're going to make music videos. And then realizing that like, yes, you should do that. But like these layers also from like lo-fi to like the highest one, just be at like the highest quality of each of those steps, but really like stratifying that and, and doing it all has the best payoff. I think one thing that people should know if you're an artist trying to get content out, you can post something that you might be very proud of and worked really hard at. The internet's capricious. It, <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't always know what's going to happen. Uh, it's unpredictable. So you can work yeah. really hard, do this amazing thing, and it just might not get the reach that you want. And you just have to be okay with that. Um, mm -hmm. Just for example, my little sister has a TikTok. Yes. And um, she only had like three followers, I think. Just She usually just posts videos of her cat. She has a really fat cat who has little legs and just posted <laughs> a little cute video of a cat running around with their little tiny munchkin legs. And overnight, it got 600,000 clicks on TikTok. And yes. it was just ridiculous because she had never had more than like one like on any <laughs> video. So it's it's just so unpredictable. So don't be yeah. discouraged if you're not getting the reach that you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could just get lucky. And that's really, you know, a lot yeah. of the entertainment industry is you kind of have to rely on luck from time to time. I, I get nervous still every time we post something. I like second guess it. I like half yep. the time want to be like, no, this is actually shit. Like we shouldn't post this. We shouldn't. Cause it's just like, you never know, you know, yeah. you never know. And like, so we, we've been lucky. I, I mean, lucky. And I think our content is high and we've got a good following, but like we usually average between what? 20 to 2,500 to like 7,000 views when we like post something on Facebook, which is pretty mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. But I always feel like whatever we're going to post, it's going to get like 200 views. You know what I mean? Like nobody's going to like it every time. And if that happens, it's okay. You yeah. just have to, you just, you can't, don't wait. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just yeah, do the best you can right now, put it out there and yeah. then learn from that and keep moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that's something that this, this endeavor has taught, has taught me for sure is, you know what I mean? Like you can, you can think and right. And you can, this popper group that I always envisioned happening, you can plan it forever, but like the time comes, you just have to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's, potentially the most important thing that I've learned from this project is that uh, like the time is now for, mm -hmm. for, for whatever it is that you're thinking about, right. As an artist, like, what if I, you know, what if I tried singing in this style, like try it, do it now. You never know. Yeah, yeah. You, you could nail it and you could put up a TikTok tonight that like nails it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, be vulnerable. Wherever that's worth, you just yeah, have yeah. to put yourself out there. That's and true. yeah. Yeah, and I think it, what you said much earlier, now we've drifted, but it's really important to have been keeping in my mind is you mentioned, Caden, like it was kind of embarrassing that you guys didn't know about Instagram, but not actually, because as you said, this is something that people are so versed in that it is their full profession. So if you're going to use it as a tool for you as a business, then put in the time to understand how to use it properly. And don't just be like, okay, I'm just going to figure out Instagram for an hour. Like treat it like it's like a university class. You're going to sit down, you're going to take notes. You're going to think about how it applies to you. And don't be ashamed that you don't know what it is. I hate that dynamic in our culture of you're an adult. You should just know how to do these things already. Artists, we spend a hundred hours of our 24 hour day working on singing, 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 singing. So we don't know how to do anything else. Like, okay, give yourself permission to learn something new and start from scratch. And, and so you, you guys had someone help you and guide you. And for me, I spend a, a lot of time Well, my first job in Montreal was an awful cold calling job for a website company, but I learned about social media and Google advertising, etc. So we all come to this knowledge different ways, but just to be forgiving that you don't know it is okay so go out and learn it no totally mm -hmm. totally because it's yeah it's not hard you just have to you have to sit down like we sat down and you just what hashtags are relevant to us and look them up how many people how many people search that hashtag because if it's super relevant to you but like it's only ever been searched 200 times it's not that valuable right and then if you so you, you look and try to you can curate all that stuff mm -hmm. and, and it's you can look it up it just it does take some time yeah yeah take just, some time and effort just have to start just got to start. You just got to start. And there's always trial and error. You know, some 100%. things work more than others. And you kind of just, you know, have to be open to figuring out, figuring it out as you go and yeah. be open to not getting uh, what you expect, what you want, what you feel like you deserve. And you mentioned that each of you takes turns a couple times a week on the social media. Do you have a big picture strategy of like this month, we want to post this many videos of us singing, or we want to work in pieces promoting who we are. Like, do you have a big picture strategy? We, we kind of always have that running. Um, we have been favored. We've been very lucky uh, that that has kind of been interrupted by cool opportunities um, yeah. almost at every turn. Um, and I think we've just been very open to when opportunities arise, yeah. we just, we go for it. You drop the plan um, and you seize the opportunities. So like we've done that a million times now. Usually they don't even tell me about the opportunities. <laughs> it's just like, we're doing this thing next week to your schedule. And it's like, okay. I mean, that is I us. Guess that's what we're doing. Things move fast. That is us telling you. It's, but I think that's also a big part of the the branding and it sort of goes back to like what we we're talking about earlier like how we envision this this brand and I, I think part of it is we move really fast and so we do yeah we, we always have a plan I think we've always mm -hmm. had sort of like a one month a three month and a like one year plan going on um and for social media like this whole January was supposed to be like investing in TikTok right really trying to build our after the success of like our Ratatouille the musical video trying to like build into that but we have these a couple great opportunities collaborating with the U of A collaborating with the uh, Edmonton Opera and so it's like, well, we're not going to say no to that. So we just have gone that direction, sort of like follow the yellow brick road when it's there, because eventually it won't be. And then you better go back to your plan. Yeah, I love that. And I want to really put it in perspective for people. What kind of time commitment is this? Like, 
I, I know we said five minutes of singing, five hours of editing, but we're, we're not kidding. Like there's so much behind the scenes for one little post and I want you guys to say it. Okay. In terms of like probably man hours of the group. Yeah. There, okay, so there are, have been entire projects that we've posted that have probably taken a grand total of like amongst everybody involved, like eight man hours. That has happened. More. No, that's like the low end. That's, that's the absolute. Yeah, that's yeah. so that has happened. That's probably yeah. the like that's the that's the floor. Yeah. There are single posts we've made that I am not even certain we could begin to calculate the hundreds of man hours that have gone yeah. into it. I'm like I'm not, I'm a bit ashamed to say, but like some, like even sometimes just writing the post, like we've done all the work, just writing the five, well, there's gotta be less than that. Four sentence description of whatever it is. We're trying to post waving through a window and you gotta say something about it. I've sat in front of a computer for hours sometimes. <laughs> yes, right. You know, you're like, does this do, is this the little guitar emoji? Is that too much? No, we got it. That's too much. That's ridiculous, right? Get rid of that. <laughs> Oh man. Um, Even like the first step of a song or something, the first step is usually you pick your song and then you sit down and arrange it. One of us yeah. will take on the, the duty of arranging the first draft of a song. Yeah. And the most recent one that I did took somewhere between 12 and 14 hours. And that's just the first, that's yeah. like not even cracking the surface. We haven't even sung the song yet. Yeah. We're just arranging notes and trying to figure out who sings what, who sings where. And, yeah. and, and a song can go through if you looked at my files and saw like my folder of arrangements, you'd see like between five to eight drafts, I would say mostly bordering now, especially now, I think as we're getting like better and more specific in our edits, like, yeah, like eight drafts. Mm -hmm. So you, you spend all that time making one and then it's like iteration after iteration till we finally get the thing that's like, yep, yeah, everybody's going to sound great in this. It absolutely accomplishes what it needs to do. It's going to be no stress live in the context of 90 minutes of singing. Right, like there's all these things we consider because we, we also, I think, have part of our brand. We don't want to post anything online that we can't just do live. You know, like it's, mm -hmm. it's if, we're, if we're putting music online, we can do it in a concert and we can do it in the middle of, right, 90 minutes of music. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, well, and I mean, that's, um, we've all, from when we made the group, our goal is to perform live, is to bring it yeah. into live scenarios. And there, there is space for groups to kind of exist online. Um, so that is one route. Yeah. Um, but that is something that is very intentional, very deliberate. That yeah. we And we take it very seriously that we only present things that people can expect to hear live at a Valari Tenors yeah. concert when those happen. Yeah, exactly. Though the whole, all of our social media stuff is essentially to build following, to create co content and, and advertisement right and branding so that we can perform live when restrictions allow us to that that is always been the end goal is tour yeah i think a lot of people who work like quote unquote normal jobs usually come home from work and they chill they watch some netflix when you're in the entertainment industry you kind of have to be prepared that to not always have free time and probably most of the yeah. time you just you can't just take time off it doesn't really work like that mm -hmm. you get home from yeah. your day job or school or whatever your um, your current uh, you know your current project is and then you have to work on a different project and you have to mm. practice you have to be always doing something 
Um, there's, yeah. you know, weeks at a time where we find that we just don't have free time. And that's just yeah. kind of the reality of the world that we live in. You want today. the concise answer of like how much, what's the time dedication? It's, I would say Valar is essentially full-time yeah. hours. The answer is all of it. It's all of it. It's all of the time. <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially you start getting into, yeah, grant applications, applying for touring companies. And all of a sudden it's like, cool, I'm going to spend actually like four hours writing today, like typing messages and bios and stuff. And then we have to rehearse and then we have to write. And yeah. it can be overwhelming, yeah. but day at a time. And often projects take longer than we anticipated and I think it's important not to get flustered by the fact that it's taking you longer than you, you thought it would and just like rushing to put it out there like okay the only person putting pressure on you to post that is probably just you I mean there's going to be exceptions to that rule oh yeah oh man yeah. no I've been caught by that where I'm like so stressed out and <laughs> my wife Cassidy's like why don't like what are you going to die? Like if it doesn't get posted <laughs> tonight, like if you posted it tomorrow afternoon, what happens? Does it get half the views? It's like, no, it's probably identical. And she's like, cool. Throwing it out there. <laughs> what if you wait six to 12 hours? Sometimes <laughs> you just need somebody to say, yo, yeah. you're in your head. Yeah. Just have perspective. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then somewhere in all of that, it's the yes answer. You're always working. Find balance. What's, what's easier, to find balance or to just pay for a therapist every week? <laughs> because the therapist is more money, but way less time. So. <laughs> so the last question I have for you guys that I like to ask everyone is, what is the best singing advice, whether it's career-wise or technique, that you've ever received? And I want to hear from each of you. I should have known this was coming. I've listened to your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I could have prepared for this. Well, I'll preface, I'll preface, the reason I ask it is because I believe that not every teacher will be able to give you the tool you need to, to, you know, build your voice, but they give you a tool and then it's your job to discover your own body and play with that tool. And so if someone were to ask me this question, the best advice I would say was not advice, but teaching me how to work out my voice using exercises and not giving me metaphors. That's what it would be for me. But other people, it's much more psychological of just like, you know, be confident. Maybe I'll start um, just kind of off of your comment. I know a lot of people who say, oh, I don't sing. I can't sing. I don't know how to sing. And then uh, maybe we're at a party or something or the radio has a song that they like and then they sing along and it sounds just fine. And I thought, yo, you know, I thought you said you, you couldn't sing. And I think a lot of people are really scared of failing. And singing is very vulnerable. So I think the more you do it, the more you get to know your voice, the, the more you know what you're capable of. And I think the advice that I would give to any um, younger singers or somebody who hasn't even tried singing is just try it. When you're by yourself, maybe it's less scary and, and just see what works for you. What artists feel nice in your voice and what songs do you feel like you can sing along with? I just, the more you try it, I think the better you get. And it's it's just, it's a practice. It's gonna have to be something from Ben Butterfield. I've had a few teachers, a few really influential teachers, but the most for me is, is Ben Butterfield. Like, I feel like I really learned to sing and still that's, that's kind of like who I go to um, as my like primary teacher would be Ben. And oh, 
I mean, most of the time he just told me not to be an asshole and then I would fix my singing. Like I would yeah. sing and he'd be like, don't be an asshole. And I'd be like, right, right. <laughs> okay, let me try that again then without being an asshole. Is that the advice? I don't know. Maybe that is the advice. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say there's something in there of like, um, he, he would just, he would really emphasize like singing is, is just, it's, it, it's utterance, it's uttering. It's, it, if it has to come from you naturally, it has to come from you the way speech does. And it has to come from you like necessarily, right? And you would always give an example of, right, if there's someone, you know, trying to break into your car, you're just going to like shout so that you can be heard all the way across the parking lot. Like, don't break into my car. Um, and that comes from somewhere that matters, like to always keep in mind that it's not just a technical exercise, that it has to come from something really real, from a, like a need, a desire to communicate something or say something or change something. And you actually have to sing to do that. And I'd say that or the other thing he told me when it comes to like singing and communicating is actually this is kind of the don't be an asshole thing it's like here's your here's your text here's what you got to sing don't be an asshole about it just like say what's there honestly right like don't don't try to add a bunch of weird things to it just like this is the text you're given these are the notes you're given so just be true to it and communicate what's there and uh i think i think that i pretty much have to remind myself of every day mm -hmm. that actually pairs so nicely with what you just said before because you need to be not scared to do something honestly, whatever comes out of you, maybe there's a voice crack, maybe you're a little flat and then, okay, you can figure out a way to work that technically, but the honesty and the fearlessness has to be there first. My vocal coach, Shannon Hebert, always likes to say, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're singing, bring your best all the time. It doesn't matter if it's an 8 a.m. diction class or if it's a Sunday service at nine when you're hungover. Always bring your best. And there's no reason why you can't be energized and fully focused and into what you're singing. We had a lot of morning classes, morning lessons, and we would come in really tired. And that's not really an excuse because you can always just, I don't know, take a shower, drink a coffee, do something and just get yourself in the mindset. Because the reality is you could be singing at church the same church that you've been at for 15 years and there could just be somebody in the audience in the congregation that needs to hear you and they might be the person who has a job for you that's a benism too where he's like in your career you get three great days three days of good voice other than that you're singing at like 80 percent so yeah. at best it's true right yeah i'm gonna just so like at the i also studied with ben butterfield and had a fantastic time um and he totally taught me so much about certain about all kinds of stuff but definitely equipped me to actually handle classical things um and he told me all of the same things that he told Caden I'm, I'm sure and they're all amazing um but I kind of just want to go for something that I've been thinking a lot about recently this is not necessarily advice I've heard this and part of the that is like what Volare is to me and I've been discovering through this process um, is that on the singing journey, um, we've probably all found ourselves in situations where there's been so many like cooks in the kitchen. There's everybody has a different piece of advice for you. Everybody thinks your voice, voice is going this direction or you should be doing this thing. And I personally, I found in my studies a lot of times where I was totally at a loss, where I was like being given contradictory advice from people that I should trust and always kind of, you know, confused. And that took a lot of the joy out of singing for me at times. And singing was something that, that used to come naturally to me a lot. And something that I've been discovering is that 
your best sounds are always going to be what first sounds the first the first sounds that you make at like the utterance like ben is saying like actually just for joy right like when i think back to the first times i was just like singing around the house i I, you know what i mean like that impulse is was my voice and it's that impulse that i need to draw upon for my best singing all the time and it's not the impulse of trying to like do something or be something it, it is something it is like my own voice that i own that is unique to me that is informed by my life and my emotions and the things i connect to and and, and am inspired by and if you're not singing from that place i feel like you are selling yourself short mm-hmm. um and that applies to any style to anything the way you described it to me was the first time when you're probably really young that you sing something that you think to yourself, wow, that was pretty cool. That was, that was sick. Is your most natural voice. That's and, your voice. And yeah. that's what yeah. you're always going to be striving for in voice teachers and lessons. Whatever the first thing you did that made you feel really good. And a lot of you know yoga teachers that I've had always say, just do what feels good. Find what feels good. It's so easy to lose your voice by trying to sound more Italianate or or bigger or smaller or lighter or fat, like all of these different things. But like, if you go back to like, what's your voice? What's that thing that you, yeah, you just sang at the house in the shower, the first song that mm. just made you sing something? What was that sound? Or like, you know, that thing that just made you be like, I want to get in a practice room and just scream and ah, or whatever, right? Like yeah. that thing is like what I'm doing now and like feels better than any singing I've ever done before. Yeah. Such good advice from all three of you. So upcoming projects, anything you want to plug here for people to know? Oh, yeah, yeah probably. Gala. I think yes. big thing coming up is Valentine's Day Gala with Edmonton Opera. It's their biggest fundraising event of the year. They go all out. They have a ton of artists uh, come in and they, it's, it's different every year and it's always crazy and it's always incredible. So we're in it this year. Valari is going to be in it. we got a few songs. Um, we won't give it all away, but uh, it's it's going to be incredible. So check that out. That'll be on global TV. It will be broadcast on global TV. So you're going to have to probably follow us to figure out when yeah. exactly it's live. Oh, that's so, true. Because we don't know yet when yeah. exactly. We know it's probably around Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing we're working on is a collaboration with the University of Alberta Opera Workshop. Uh, we're doing a uh, very popular Josh Groban song with the choir, yeah. with the chorus. Um, so that will be on the University of Alberta Facebook page, the Instagram. You can go and yep. give those a follow. And it we'll- will also be on the Valare Facebook <laughs> page and Valare Instagram. <laughs> thanks so much, you guys, for joining me on the podcast. It's such a pleasure. Well, thanks for oh, having us. Yes. Yeah, this is yeah. this was amazing. So great to talk with you again. Je rêve sans visage, décline son corps, et puis je l'image habite en mon décor. J'aurais tant à lui dire si j'avais su parler, comme lui faire lire au fond de mes pensées. Mais comme font ces autres à qui tu Quand me disent mes fautes, mes chimères aussi Moi je raffirerai mon âme, mon cœur et tout mon temps Mais j'ai beau tout donner, tout n'est pas suffisant